Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Hey guys, it's Daniel Smooth from Time to BS. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. And I got something to tell you all today. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one simple place. Let me explain before we start the show. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or even your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the show. Time to BS, a U Stadium podcast. Hello, you sexy individuals. What's up? Um, Hi. Yes, Ryan is here. Very awkwardly here, but he is here. Um, yes, very awkwardly here. Very much so. But, um, last episode, I did say, would be the last podcast before the new year. Well, I lied. Suck it. So, the NFL playoffs are set, and the national championship is set, so we have content. We have endless content. Amen. Yes, there is much to talk about. And, you know, who better than, hey, let's bring, let's bring Ryan in, get his knowledge on here, as his, as his Ravens have the best record in football and most likely the league MVP, me, I'm, I'm sitting with the five seed in the NFC, it's my Seahawks, lost by a game of inches and questionable calling. Of plays, but I digress. We'll get to that later. But um, such bullshit. But let's get to the national championship. Um, our good friend Mike did not have a very good weekend for his Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, yeah, that was bad. It was bad. Um, Joe Burrow looks like the top pick in the draft. Well, we knew that since he won the Heisman. Yeah. And Oklahoma just got their asses kicked by LSU. It was like 62-14. to 14. Uh, I think it was 63-21, 28. No Oklahoma way. Sort of I thought it had to be 63-14. It had to be 63-14. Nah, Clemson, uh, Clemson, uh, Oklahoma scored a couple touchdowns late. Okay. Okay, Hurts made it at least, you know. Okay, 63 to 28. Okay. 
Okay, not as bad as I thought, but still pretty bad. Yeah, it, it was bad. Still pretty bad, regardless. Uh, Clemson won in a nail-biter over Ohio that was State. such a great game. So good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence show why he is undefeated as a starter. And just would not be denied. Would not be denied against a very good Ohio State team. But, you know, other than Penn State, Ohio State hasn't played anyone. They played Wisconsin twice. They played Wisconsin twice. Okay, it's Wisconsin. You know, you could argue the Big Ten. You you could argue the Big Ten East is probably the the, the best division in college football. No. Uh, so Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and then Penn State. Yeah. Uh, I'd lean SEC West, but. Eh. Yeah. What do I know? You got LSU, Bama, Auburn, and then usually one of the Mississippi schools are halfway decent. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas is a train wreck. Although A and M's improving drastically with Jimbo, so yeah, they might get a good pretty class or two, and they'll be a mainstay in the top twenty-five as long as he's there. Yeah, but that's aside the point. Clemson and LSU will play for the national championship in two weeks. Two weeks, three weeks. Two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. So, in New Orleans, so that is not a home field advantage whatsoever for LSU. Just saying. Uh, They've won uh, two of their last three, or they've won two national championships there since 2000. And when they lost to Alabama, it was also in the confines of the Superdome. That was the joke, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was the joke. Yeah, and it's, it's LSU in New Orleans. They're going yeah. to crush Clemson. I, w- I wouldn't go that far. But well, they're not yeah, going to crush them. They but they're not going to crush them, but, you know, I I think I think Burrow gets, you know, four touchdowns maybe. Yeah. And I, I don't think this is going to be as good as the 06 Rose Bowl with USC Texas, but, you know, with the with the good of court with the amount of great quarterback play that we're gonna get, I mean, it'll be close. It could be close. And then uh, Edwards Hilaire is gonna be back for LSU. You got ETN for Clemson. Uh, star wide receivers for both teams, and, and then defensively you have first round talent everywhere. All over the place. Everywhere. Like Delpit and uh, Simmons, who had a fantastic game against Ohio State, and uh, Chason, the edge rusher for LSU, he was great. It's just incredible to see so that amount of talent much talent and defensively. So I mean, much talent. Isn't as talented as they were last year on the no. defensive line, no. but they still have some goons right there. That's like. Great recruits by Dabo, guys that have been in the system for a couple of years, and guys that are going to try to rip Burrow's head off. And Clemson should be the favorite in this game, right? 
Because, one, they're the, the reigning national champions. This is their fourth national title appearance in, in five years. I mean, they have to be the favorite in this one. This is where I disagree. I think partially due to the home field advantage that LSU has, but I think LSU has been so comprehensively dominant this season. Like, they really haven't had, like, a bad half or a bad quarter. Like, they may have a bad drive here or there, but 95% of their drives are perfect. Like, they've been so, like, untouchable. Like, their closest game, as far as I can remember, is the Alabama game. And even that was, like, eh. Alabama never really, like, it never really felt like LSU's about to lose. So, I think Clemson's had that, the the close game over North Carolina. And then even against Ohio State, it was, like, down to the very end, can Clemson hold on? And they ended up holding on. But I don't think LSU's had to face any sort of adversity this season. No. I mean, they played Alabama, but like you said, but they haven't faced any adversity. I mean, they've been almost destroying everyone. Rightfully so. Before we get into the playoff preview, the NFL playoff preview, um, I want to talk about a few things. Um, I posted this a while ago, or I think it was yesterday, last night. This popped in my head. Um, yeah, obviously the, the top 20 draft slots have, are finalized and the Dolphins have three first round picks. Two of them are in the top 20. Here's and Houston, wherever they fall. Yeah. Here's where I have my idea. In all likelihood, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins next year. Assuming if, you know, the Dolphins do the smart thing and and bench, you know, their rookie first round quarterback, whether it's Tua, Fromm, Herbert, Jacob Eason, or or Love, or for some stroke of luck they trade up and get Joe Burrow. Um, regardless, let's address the elephant in the room, shall we, Ryan? Yes. Josh Rosen, um, obviously top ten pick in twenty eighteen. With the Cardinals, career is not panning off the way it's supposed to be. I thought, you know, Miami would be the best fit for him. And this is where I get, and this is, like I said before, this is where I get my ideas. Um, as you may know, there is a team in the AFC East that has a 42-year-old fossilized quarterback. Yes. They happen to be the New England Patriots. That's correct. Now, let's assume the Dolphins draft Tua with the fifth pick in the draft. Let's assume that. Now, you got to assume. Yeah, it's pretty fair. I mean, or that or Herbert. I mean, either or is a good choice. I would assume the Dolphins are going to stick with Fitzpatrick for the 2020 season. You know, 
the culture seems to fit around Fitzpatrick, and if Tua, you know, develops behind Fitzpatrick, I think you're going to get a really good quarterback in this league at Tua Tagovailoa. Now, enter the Josh Rosen discussion. And here's why I mentioned the New England Patriots. If you're the Dolphins, you get whatever you can get out of Josh Rosen. Even if it means calling the Patriots and say, would you give us, let's say, a fourth and a 2021 sixth rounder for Rosen? Would you do that? I mean, concerning the quarterback market, how it is in this league, I mean, for God's sake, you got Carson Wentz and Jared Goff making $34 million per year. Now, people may people may defend them, but I don't think they're worth that much money. Just saying. I think you can defend Wentz, not Goff. Wentz, maybe, Goff. Nah. I mean, the, the Goff contract looks so bad. But back to Rosen. Would it make sense for the Patriots to call the Dolphins and ask for Josh Rosen? Because you think Brady's in his 40s. Jared Stidham has looked nice, but I'm, I just have this feeling. The thought of Rosen with the Patriots is you screw up with New England as a quarterback. I mean... This is that's your that's Josh Rosen's best shot if he wants to succeed in this league. Okay, so I think this can go in one of two directions. So first, I think if Josh McDaniels gets some coaching looks, if any more vacancies open up, um, he's been uh, like on the market, I think for the Giants head coaching job. He's rumored um, to be the favorite for the Browns job, the Giants. I mean, okay. Dallas maybe. We'll get to the coaching hirings in a bit, but he's also rumored to be in several offensive coordinator positions, particularly in it in the NFC. I'm looking at you, Dallas and Seattle. Now, this is assuming Seattle fires Brian Schottenheimer, which I'm assuming they will. Because their offense has been so inconsistent. And we can go into a long discussion about why I think Kellen Moore had a successful campaign. But back to New England, I think if you lose Josh McDaniels, you might be hesitant to bring in a quarterback from outside of the system. Um, and like you might want to have continuity with at least a quarterback, whether it be Brady at 43 or Stidham and bring in a new offensive coordinator then, as opposed to bringing both a new quarterback and a new head coach, or new offensive coordinator. And I think the market for quarterbacks, both through the draft and through free agency, is too too deep for New England to say, let's go get Rosen, who's done just about nothing in the league, I'd say. You have Cam, who could be on his way out of Carolina, maybe, who knows. Philip Rivers is a mess in Los Angeles. Who knows? And then you have five or six guys that could be first-round picks this year. And New England has shown in the past that they aren't afraid to move draft capital to get the players they want, whether it be Brandon Cooks or... Uh, shoot. Martellus uh, Bennett. 
then it works to like if you're New England or uh, Muhammad's new, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So if you're New England, I think there's more options on the open market than Rosen, and there's more options in the draft than Rosen. And I think if you're the let's say twenty eighth pick or whatever they that call currently them, I believe is Seattle. Okay. I could be horribly wrong with that. Let me check. 28, you said? Yeah, 28. Green Bay. I was wrong. Okay. So Seattle's 26. Hypothetically speaking, they end around 28, and you're probably in position to get an Eason or a Jordan Love, um, maybe a Fromm. Uh, I think I think uh, Burrow goes one. Two is to go top ten if he declares. Herbert is probably a top 10, top 12. Herbert might be the, the second best quarterback over there. And then Fromm, may, Fromm might go in the top 20, depending, you know, who's desperate enough to take him. All right, so I'm going to pull up the draft order. But I think, so... I got it right here. He's taking Burrow. I got it right then, here. Uh, Washington, I, I think, takes an offensive lineman. I bet we can do some mock draft uh, podcasts in April. We can. Oh, you bet we're doing that. But uh, I, the reason why I say Rosen to the Patriots would be a great fit is you look at the way, I mean, in college, I'm assuming you've seen Rosen play in college as, if I, as I have seen him play in college as well. Yes. Does he or does he not play a similar style to Brady? Um, Am I wrong? I I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I don't know if you're necessarily right. Um, when I watched Rosen, I I guess like hmm. I will admit I, I saw I, I saw more Brady. Matt Ryan than I saw Brady. Um. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that that could be fair. Um. He has like poise in the pocket and doesn't generally try to force things like he can make the a lot of the big throws but he's not going to be reckless with it like uh, a certain tampa bay quarterback can be fuck you winston um, piece of shit (laughs) but uh i don't know i think if you're new england i think there's probably 10 better options than josh rosen yeah but in terms of, you know, if Rosen, as we've seen the player empowerment that we've seen over the last couple of years with Jalen Ramsey forcing his way out of Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette potentially requesting a trade out of Jacksonville, we've seen it happen before. If Rosen, you know, I, I feel like the better situation for Rosen would be a situation with the Patriots as opposed to okay, you stay in Miami. You have or let's say Pittsburgh calls you, whatever. I mean, it's not a horrible idea, but I'm 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 still I'm I'm folk I'm fixed on Rosen to the Patriots. I'm saying to myself, okay, that's a good replacement for Brady. If Rosen okay, so- succeeds. Okay, so if we're replacing Brady, are we replacing 
him because he's retiring, or are we just retiring in a guy? Retiring. Okay. We're going retiring. Okay. Because I I don't know if Brady would retire if they have a, an unsuccessful season this year. Yeah. And I'm probably jumping ahead, but I don't see the Patriots winning the Super Bowl this year. I. We'll get to our Super Bowl predictions later on the end of the show, as long as all of the coaching hirings and crap like that. But you know what? Fuck it. I I want a rematch. My gut tells me I want a rematch. Bring bring on the Pats from five years ago. I want. Then there's there's not a game that I want to win more. You know, as a fan, you know. As a Seahawk fan, you know, I've, I've told, I've, I'm sure I've told you this story before. I cried my ass off during when that play happened, when that infamous play that slammed on the one yard line happened. I cried my ass off, and I, I've never let that down. Um, there's just there's things that stick with you for a long time, and I, I want a rematch. I want a rematch with the Patriots, and I want it for Super Bowl Fifty Four in Miami. And I feel like, you know, bringing back Marshawn, you know, this defense has shown that they can stop some teams. They've held with the Niners. They've held with the Rams. I mean, except for the last game. They've held with some teams. You know, they have talent to to handle the Patriots. And the offense is capable of scoring 50 on everyone. But... So, you have your eyes on one rematch. I have my eyes on another rematch, even though there's about two players that are still there. Yeah. Baltimore and San Francisco. That would be the the sexy pick. That's the sexy pick. Yeah, and that's the problem there, because I don't know if Baltimore's the best team in the AFC, because there's this wonderful guy that likes ketchup and wears number 15, for a little team in Kansas City. You see, okay, I'm, I'm going to go over the NFC and AFC because because okay. I think I think Baltimore and Kansas City are on a collision course of the AFC Championship game. In terms of the NFC, this can go either way. Green Bay, I do not trust for the life of me. Green Bay has first round elimination. Green oh. Bay has has first round elimination written all over it. I'm sorry. I, I think the Saints are just good. Packer faithful. I love Packer faithful. I love you guys, but come on, you have to be rational here. I mean, first round. This this team screams first round exit. The Saints. I don't feel that way about the Saints, and I, I for some reason, call me crazy. I feel that way about San Francisco. I feel that San Francisco could be a... I feel that way about... Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel... I feel... If a... If... Okay. I'm probably going to get killed by Josh for this. San Francisco, along with Green Bay, have first round exit written all over it. The reason is... The Packers and Niners are the same thing. You know? They have talent... 
And then there are some times where you just scream at the TV and say to yourself, what is going on? Like, San Francisco should have destroyed Seattle last night by the way they were playing. Destroyed them. That should have scored 40 on the Hawks. But the reason why I say it is because that team to me is inconsistent. You know, as great as they are on paper, as great as they are. And I, Nick Bosa, defensive rookie of the year by default. No one should no one should disagree with me on that one, right? Uh, outside of Jacksonville, I'd say so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um you know Garoppolo to me I don't think Garoppolo is ready. And I I will eat crow if the Seahawks and Niners do play each other in the divisional playoffs, which they might because they might as well. I think they will. I think New Orleans is able to handle Minnesota. They, I, and I, Seattle should beat Philly. They're they're gonna crush Philly. They're gonna crush them. Philly has no one. But I could be wrong. I could be horribly wrong. But if everything, I the reason okay, if everything goes right, the way that I'm thinking, Seattle goes to New Orleans for the NFC Championship game, and then has a dog fight because I feel like that those teams. The only reason I give the edge to Seattle. Excuse me, uh, New Orleans is because of the offense. New Orleans is a much better team offensively than supposed to Seattle. Now, I could be wrong. If the football gods work in my favor, I will have a rematch of Super Bowl Forty Nine. Now, that is if the football gods work in my favor. That's a big if. That's a big if. Now, what I think will happen, realistically, Seahawks, Kansas City. I I have a tough time going against the Saints, I think. Um, so, they start at home against Minnesota, and Minnesota is a great roster. Lots of talent on defense. And then there's Kirk Cousins. Offense, but they're going to lose in the Superdome. There's no real way around that. It's, it's near lose. impossible to win in the Superdome. Like, the Rams needed divine intervention to take it to overtime, and then divine intervention to get Breeze to throw an interception. And it's probably not going to happen again. No. And that's and that Rams team is just frankly better than this 2019 Vikings. Oh, by the way... Um, who was right on saying the Rams would, would take a step back? Uh, you were, I think Jason also said the Rams would take a step back. Yeah. I was right. Oh, did you ever, uh, see if Kyle and Tyler finished their bet? Because Buffalo blew in the water. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of those fuckers. Um, oh, oh wonderful, 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 wonderful. Man. But... You know, Rams fan, Ram fans on U Stadium killed me for when I said 
the Rams would take a gigantic step back because of the losses they suffered on that roster. And I, I probably took shots at you for that. I had you did. Rams you did. I remember. Making the playoffs, you know, um, probably I had, 10 or 11 wins. Yeah. But it, it's it's tough, and the golf contract cap-strapped them. And then trading for Ramsey was desperate. Like, trading for Ramsey was a desperate. stupid move. I'm sorry. I, I would tend to agree with that, but at the same time, if you flip a game here, flip a game there. Like, if they beat San Francisco, they're going to the playoffs. Probably. If they don't allow not one, but two third and 16s, they have a 50-50 chance of making the playoffs. And that, that makes the playoffs a whole lot more interesting if the Rams make it. Yeah, because then you'd have a red-hot Rams team going into New Orleans, a team they beat in January, and a team they beat three months ago or four months ago, even though that was the Breeze injury game. But you'd be running, like, Minnesota is probably terrified of New Orleans. New Orleans probably doesn't really care about Minnesota. They're probably just mad that they're 13-3 and three and have to go on the road next week or in two weeks. Mm-hmm. But the Rams, I think the Rams would have given – Minnesota's a better team than the Rams, but I think the Rams would give the Saints a better game. For the AFC side, this, as much as I hate, I don't want to say it, the Patriots could very well lose in the first round. Oh, I I agree wholeheartedly. As, as much as, you know, Graham, I, I know you're listening, man. Please beat the Patriots for me. As much as you're... Did you see my post yesterday? Because he Venmoed me a penny and told me some stupid stat about the Titans. Well, he's just bashing it. Good old, oh, the only teams to make two playoff appearances and have four winning seasons since 2016. Um, I'd, rather be, I'd rather be the Eagles and have a Super Bowl ring and have a 7-9 season. I mean, you're not horribly wrong, but, you know. Yeah. Not horribly wrong. Right. But. Or even, like, Baltimore winning this, in 2016. I never liked Minnesota. that. I never had confidence in that Patriot defense. I never... I never thought that Patriot defense was good. Yeah, you know, I always thought people were praising the Patriots defense because people were saying people were seriously they had the balls to say this Patriot defense is the greatest defense of all time since the nineteen eighty five Bears. I'm sorry. Oh, that's I'm sorry. There are some people that are hired to cover the NFL. But there are some people that deserve to be fired for saying that. Bill I Barnwell, I'm looking at you, buddy. In all fairness to New England, they were historically great to start the season. And then they ran into a buzzsaw that wears number eight and runs around. Yes. And since since that fateful night in Baltimore, they are four and four. Mm-hmm. And have been every bit as bad offensively and every bit as... Above average, maybe on on defense. I never trusted that defense in the second. They're, so, a buddy of mine that I work with, diehard Patriot fan, probably the most rational Patriot fan I've ever met, um, he said to me, I would not be shocked if the Patriots lose their first playoff game. I would not be shocked. Part of me wants to say, you're nuts. 
because I never doubt the Patriots. I, I doubt right. their defense. But and you can doubt their weapons. I can doubt their you weapons. Doubt number 12. I can't doubt, doubt Brady. I can't. I I have never been able to doubt Brady since since 49. I haven't been able to do that. Now, there's a part of me wants to say the Patriots are going to take this Titans team to overtime. And they could. Now, with on the other side on the other side of the ball game, I think Buffalo's gonna handle Houston. I'm not saying it's because I love Bill's Mafia. I'm not saying because Kyle because Kyle's a brother. I mean that because Houston's offensive line is still suspect and that Bill's defense could get after the quarterback. Yes, I, I agree with you there. I do think having uh, Deshaun Watson helps uh Houston, so you know the when the play breaks down, you're going to get either really good Watson or really bad Watson. I would it's, know. It's, it's I would know. It's kind of famous, but without all the turnovers. And Russ. That's true, without all the turnovers. Yeah. It's like uh, Watson's on kind of like a spectrum. Like any play, you can he can go running in circles and launch a 50-yard touchdown. But he can also run around in circles and do nothing with it. That's why I. That's why I'm so pissed off at Pete Carroll because Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are the same damn quarterback. They're the same damn quarterback. Am I wrong? This is fair. This is fair. Yeah. Okay, but Buffalo, I think, is a lot, has better players on paper than the Texans do. The yeah, Texans are the sexier pick because just, because Deshaun it's Watson. Fantastic. But because Deshaun Watson is terrific, but Buffalo, I think I think the Bills get their first playoff win since, geez, since when? Uh, ninety. I want to say ninety six, but I'm going. Has to, to be the nineties. Got to be the nineties. Because they've only been in the one playoff game since uh, ninety nine. Yeah, so they were made it uh, in twenty seventeen. Lost a heartbreaker to Jacksonville. Their last playoff win. Came in 1995, it looks like. So I think the Bills do it. I think the Bills get their first playoff win in 25 years. Yep, they beat the Dolphins. That was a good Dolphin team. But, um, now that would mean I, I'm probably going to pick the Patriots. But the Patriots beat Tennessee in overtime. Bills win over the Texans. So that would bring the Bills over to you guys. Yep. And the Patriots to Kansas City. Kansas I'm, City. Oh, I take, God. Uh, I I definitely take Tennessee against the spread. I don't know what the spread is, but I think it's... Got to be six, six and a half. Okay, yeah. I'll take Tennessee plus six and a half. And they do one thing that... Like, te- teams are afraid of the Patriots. And... It's evident by the play calling. It's, it's evident by these teams are like, oh, let's try to throw it against Gilmore and McCourty and all these Why guys. do you like, think I want McDaniels as my offensive coordinator in Seattle? Do you realize the magic that would be that would happen in Seattle if McDaniels were the OC? This is a fair point because athletically speaking, Wilson gives you so much more versatility. Russell Wilson is a mobile Drew Brees, and I am not crazy. Yeah, that's 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 a good take. I'd say. 
I am not crazy, Ryan, and you know me. I, I, I make some hot takes, but when it comes to that's, Seattle, I am almost correct. So I think what Tennessee brings to the table against the Patriots is New England's worst nightmare outside of going to Baltimore. Because I think New England just knows Kansas City's maybe like dogfight, but they know we can punch them in, a, in the mouth and we're not afraid of them. And they know that Tennessee has this raging bull named Derrick Henry who is not afraid of running over people. Who, by the way, is a free agent at the end of this year. And if, if you he, want him in Seattle really badly. I would like that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I would like that because my running backs keep getting hurt. Yes, now you're bringing out the 2013 Seahawks to run in 2019. Oh, <laughs> so orgasmic. It's wonderful. Did, did Turbin play at all yesterday? Turbin did not play. Okay. Now I saw Lynch, and then I saw Homer a couple times. Homer's look. Like, Homer's look nice. I wanted Homer to get involved since yeah, he, was he was drafted because nice. I I've seen him play over at Miami, and he looks awesome. Because he brings like some sort of versatility, and you know, when you put Beast Mode back there, it's gonna be a run. If just, now it's gonna be a run. Here's the thing: Homer, if if the know. Seahawks team were healthy, if they had Disley. If they had Carson, if they had Penny, and if they had a really good fullback, I'm sorry, Nick Ballor, I love you, but you're not a fullback man in this offense. I'm sorry. And, you know, if they had a really good pass rush, I would take this team to go to the Super Bowl by default. Not even if they had a pass rush, but if Disley, Carson, and Penny were healthy. That's a Super Bowl team. That is a Super Bowl team. Then you have enough offensive, like, I mean, Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson have, might as well be the second. weapons on the outside. It's like, yeah, you just do some crazy things. Like, yeah. Heck, like, DK Metcalf's had his rookie moments, but he's good. Lockett's good. I was a big fan of Josh Gordon. He's gone now. but David uh, Moore has shown he can play the three. David Moore has yeah, shown Moore. that he, he can be really he good. He had a nice touchdown yesterday. He didn't have a touchdown. He he uh, Lockett and Metcalf scored. Okay, it's or was it waved off? What I felt like there was, an, it was there was a touchdown like was waved off. Yes, okay. yes. I felt like there was an eighty-three streaking into the end. That was David Moore. Now, okay, they have this other kid, John Ursua, who I thought when he was drafted and seeing some film and watching him play in preseason, okay, that's your slot receiver. Because that means Lockett's your deep threat, Metcalf's your your big target, Ursula's your slot, and Moore's your four. That's a good receiving core. That's fine. That's that's you can win games with that, I'd say. But even then, uh, historically speaking, elite receivers outside of Jerry Rice three times don't generally win Super Bowls. No. It's all in the quarterback, really. Like, I'd say the last, like, elite receiver to win the Super Bowl was Demarius Thomas, and even that was with crippled Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler as rotating quarterbacks. Yeah. And then one of the greatest defenses of the generation. Yes. Oh, so I got a great story for you regarding that team. Um... Back in high school, it was my senior year of high school, 
Um, everyone was picking. Everyone was picking the Panthers to win this game. To win that game by like forty points. And I had this one guy who said, "There's something about a black quarterback that I just love." And I'm saying to myself, "Wait a minute." That defense in Denver is really good. And who has yeah. Carolina played? Who have the Broncos played that year? New England twice. The Chargers a ton of times. The Bungles. And the Bungles were good. The, yeah. <laughs> that team started 8 0, and everything oh, was high. Oh. And, you know. A friend of mine came up to me and said, you're picking Denver when they, to win this game, are you? And I said, you bet I am. Because I do not trust Cam Newton. I don't care if he wins league MVP. Cam Newton is a one-dimensional quarterback. And I after, that Monday after the Super Bowl, I was wearing my Seahawks jersey proudly. Because at that time, I had very little jerseys. I had a Cam Chancellor jersey that I was wearing um, all throughout my all throughout my school. And I had a sign that I said, I was right. And I, and I wrote down the score of the Super Bowl. Perfect. <laughs> it was wonderful. Uh, I remember... I wore so that I sign was, proudly. When I was in sixth grade, that was when uh, the Falcons had their big year. They went to the NFC title game. And lost to the 49ers. So everyone in the school for a couple weeks was like hyped up on the Falcons. And then the 49ers beat them. And they were all like, oh yeah, the 49ers are just going to blow through the Ravens. And like little me, I had been wearing my Ravens hoodie every single day at school since the middle of October. It's like, nah, I I think we got him, Chief. I think we're going to pull up W. And we did. Yep. That next year... uh... I stupidly picked the reason why I picked uh, Denver to win that Super Bowl against Carolina is because two years prior, I picked I made the very same mistake a lot of others made. I picked Denver to win over Seattle. Ooh, I did. I, didn't I see went that against my boys. I went I, against. I had Seattle rolling. Again. I went against my boys, and that was one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my sports life. Oof. Because. I wore a Tim Tebow Jets jersey to watch that Super Bowl. I remember that, and by, and, and when the safety and when that was a mistake, and when the safety happened, my dad said to me, "This game is over. This game is over." Yeah, because he grew up with the '70 Steelers, and you know he would tell me he would tell me about Mean Joe, you know, mm-hmm. L.C. Greenwood, Dwight. You know, Dwight, you know, yeah. Jack Ham, Jack was... Lambert, you know, yeah. you know Mel, Mel Blonde. Blonde. Oh, my God. And I re- and I, I never been against a defense that good, mm-hmm. ever, ever. Right. Except, right. For the pa- except for Atlanta against the Patriots. I picked the Falcons to win. Look how that turned out. I think I had – I want to say the spread was like six – Maybe not it was, it was even. Had to be even. It was. I think it had to be even. Because I, I remember like betting on the spread with my buddies, but I I had the game 
I want to say I had the game going to overtime, but I only had the Patriots winning by three. But, yeah, that, that was great. That worked out perfectly for you, did it? Although I did have – I also had the Seattle-New England Super Bowl going to overtime, and I had uh, the Seahawks winning on a punt return touchdown. That didn't go too well. So, I have in my notes – um, I started doing my 20, uh, 2020 NFL preview and, you know, I have, you know, Russell's the quarterback, Carson, Homer, and Penny as the running backs. And I have LeGarrette Blunt as a dream coming out of, you know, coming out back in the league and being, you know, your power back. Right. The, the Hawks trade. Is he still in the league technically? Uh, I think, I let's assume he is. Far. Let's assume he's still a free agent. I have them trading for James Devlin you now as a as a pure fullback. You know, Metcalf. Yeah, that's a pipe dream. That's a really pipe dream. Metcalf, Lockett, Moore, so is your top four receivers. I have them signing Tyler Eifert and Will Disley being the backup tight end. I've I've wanted Eifert for so long. And, you know, I have Dwayne Brown retiring because, you know, he's like 34. But mm-hmm. let's get to the defense. And here's where I want to take your attention. So okay. the defensive line, I have at D-tackle, Quentin Jefferson and Puna Ford is your D-tackles, with Jadavian mm-hmm. Clowney returning on a, on a contract extension. All right. And here's the other defensive end, Joey Bosa. Whoa, okay. Okay. Uh, now hear me out. That. Hear me out. Okay. Hear me out. Now. And also, what happened to uh, shoot, Al, Anza? Was it Al? Uh, Al Woods. Or Reed, Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed. Oh, he he leaves in free agency. Okay. Because he's probably gonna ask for like twelve million a year, which is okay. not gonna happen. I'm sorry. Because I know I signed him on my fantasy team ahead of the Seattle Ravens game. Because I or, yeah, the Seattle Baltimore game. Cause yeah, look how that turned back. out. That didn't work out too well, so I went back to Matt Ioannidis. Yeah, that was really good. I have KJ Wright, Jaron Reed, and Dwayne Brown leaving as you know key losses. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've three key additions, three key returns, and three key losses. You know, right. and the reason why I have Joey Bosa here is because you're assuming we're, I'm assuming the Chargers are probably going to blow things up because uh, Gordon's a. Now, hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Bosa's probably going to ask for $20 million plus a year. Now, I don't think the Seahawks give him that contract. The reason why I say he comes to Seattle or some big-time defensive pass rusher joins the Seahawks. Now, I picked Bosa because, you know, the Nick Bosa factor, you know, Brothers and Nevs in the same division. Pretty cool. And also because he's a mammoth. Right. So, I thought, okay, what would be, you know, compensation for Joey Bosa? And the only reason I I would feel a Joey Bosa trade would work is you're going to have to give up minimum a first round pick. Probably a first and a second in return. For Bosa, and maybe yeah, a so. and maybe a player, because you and I both agree, Joey Bosa is 
good enough to be a defensive player, to be a two-time defensive player of the year in this league. Yes. Okay. If he was on a better Chargers team, I think he would have gotten more publicity this season. Because he had a really good year. He did. But the Chargers went, what, 5-11? 5-11, yeah. Horrible. So it's it's like, yeah, no, you're not going to give it to a guy that's 5-11. And, and You're going to give it to a guy in, like, New England or whatever. So, the reason why... Uh, okay, so, I thought, you know, long and hard for a scenario that would that would bring Joey Bosa via trade to Seattle. So I thought, okay, you know, you can't trade for Chandler Jones because that the Cardinals love him. Uh, you can't trade for Trey Flowers for, from Detroit because, you know, that's an impossible contract. Um, Michael Bennett would be nice, but he's a head case. Demarcus Lawrence is $20 million per year, you know. I thought, okay. You could sign Judon from us. Um, I, 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 probably not. I, I, I don't know. That'd be nice, but you know, I, I think you keep Judon. Yeah, I hope so. Because he's really fucking good, and he like leads the NFL in quarterback hits. Or yeah. maybe not leads, but he's like top five. And Bosa gives the Seahawks an element of a pass rush they have not had since the 2013 team. When you had Clemens, Bron- when you had Averill, Bennett, Clemens, and Red Bryant, and O'Brien Schofield as your defensive ends. Mammoths at defensive ends. That was a mammoth defensive line. So, I thought, okay, a first, a second round pick, probably a 2021 second round pick also. So, three draft picks, a first and two seconds, and a player. Okay. Who on my team is expendable? So, I'm thinking, okay, um, either KJ Wright or Justin Britt. The reason why I say KJ Wright is because his contract is really good, and he's probably the most underrated linebacker in the NFL. Um, Fair? That, I mean, there, there's a couple guys that I'm thinking of that aren't, like, household names that I'd say are, like, First team All Pro level this season. Like, well, you know, as a linebacker, not as a pass rusher, but you know, as a linebacker, right. he's one of the more underrated players. That's fair. That's fair. And uh, one of LA's weaknesses has been their linebacking core over the years. And that's I'm, why they were able to have so much success against us in that playoff game because it's like, eh, let's just not play linebackers because they kind of suck anyways. Let's play seven defensive backs when you have three All Pro level guys. And. I, the offensive line has been awful for the Chargers, specifically oh, inside. Specifically right. inside. Justin Britt. Forest Lamp was a mess. Justin Britt plays all five positions on the offensive line. He is a very versatile offensive lineman. And his contract is not horrible. It's not great either, but it's, it's good. Now, if it were KJ Wright. It would be a two. It would be a first and one second. The reason why I say throw the two second, the second number two pick in there is because of Justin Britt. Mm-hmm. Because you need the Chargers to take that contract. Right now, assuming Bosa gets traded to Seattle. Now we're going on if Bosa does get traded to Seattle. Uh, that defensive line will consist of Joey Bosa. Quinn Jefferson, Puna Ford, and Jadavian Clowney. 
That's a really Which good defensive line. Really good. That's a really good line. Often, or offensively and defensively, uh, both in terms of stopping the run and getting to the quarterback. And you know, I have Bruce Servin coming back, and all that brings another element to the pass rush in there. And Cody Barton, who's taking over for Michael Kendricks, who has a torn ACL. You know, I have him taking over KJ Wright's spot. And the secondary is Trey Flowers, you know, Quandre Diggs, and Bradley McDougal, who are really good safety duo. Underrated I like as a fuck. Lot. And Hugo Amadi, who's, a, who's shown he can play some nickel corner if the Seahawks didn't play base defense 24-7. And, so you said the base defense thing, and I saw a stat the other day that Bobby Wagner had allowed like the most yards in coverage by any linebacker in the in like the last fifteen years. And the comments were like, "Oh, he's had a bad year." And you, I'm sure you watch every second of Seattle football. They is play Bobby base defense like so many three? times. Is he like still top three linebacker? Still worthy of like I don't know being a top fifteen player in the league, or has he had like a little step back? He's had a he. Okay, so they signed him to a con- to a, like a three year contract worth eighteen and a half million per year. I think, um, well deserved yeah. because he's probably the best linebacker in football. You can make that case. Mm-hmm. Um, he's better in coverage against tight ends, not against receivers. Okay. Like he's right. better against like the re- okay. He had really good success against Rob Gronkowski in that Super Bowl mm-hmm. because you know. He could catch up with them. He could. Right. You know, as fast as Wagner is, he could catch up with Gronkowski. You know, mm-hmm. you put him against George Kill or Travis Kelsey, he's not going to catch up to him. Plus, right. he's a small linebacker. He is. Mm-hmm. You know, defensively, you need to stop playing base. If, if Seattle's going to go anywhere in the playoffs, you need to stop playing base defense 24-7. Because you're running with three slow... Because you're running with Wagner, who's who's a small, somewhat slow linebacker, and two slow-as-hell linebackers in Kendricks and Wright. I'm sorry. The Niners beat you you to smithereens in two games for that reason. Because you... Because Pete Carroll, as good of a coach he is, love him as a coach, terrible play caller. Or terrible game manager. Hugo Amadi, as a nickel corner, has been awesome. He's an awesome nickel. And, you know, I like their secondary. As much as, you know, they've been garbage on paper, I love this secondary. Right, right. And... So I'm going to read you this the defense of Seattle, assuming they make the Bosa trade. Okay. Okay. So on the defensive line, Bosa, Ford, Jefferson, Clowney. Good. Yeah. Actually, really That's good. Close. That's really good, actually. Uh, linebackers, Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, Cody Barton. You've seen enough Utah football to know who Cody Barton is, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Secondary. Trey Flowers, really good year this year. He's a really good year. Uh, Quandre Diggs, a free safety. Bradley McDougal, strong safety. 
Hugo Amadi at nickel, and Shaquille Griffin, who's had a really nice year at corner. I'd say that's a plus defense. Maybe not like top two or anything. No, they're not anywhere in the top. They're... That's a sturdy defense. You should definitely like make the playoffs next year. Yeah, if not, probably compete for the NFC West. Yes. Which. Because I, I don't know how San Francisco can get better. It, it's kind of scary to think that they could get better, but I don't know how you. I don't know. Because the running game was as. A, you're not. I don't think you're going to get five and a half yards per carry out of Ricky Mostert again. I don't think you're going to get. Uh, like that. The defense had a huge regression. I think. Is it after they played us? Or after they played. Yeah, after they played Green Bay, their, their defense just fell off a cliff. Yep. Now, granted, they played some better teams. New Orleans, Seattle again. They played some better teams, but there's no reason that they should be torched alive by the likes of Atlanta. And yep. That, there's no reason to allow 46 to the Saints. As good as the Saints are, there's no reason a, a at the time, top two defense should allow 46 points. Yep. And then I think they had one other like just cat- catastrophe of a game, just in terms of allowing yards. Uh, shoot, was it? Um, I think it was the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, I'll pull up their schedule because after the Green Bay game, I think they had already played. Us or they played us the next week, and that, that was a great performance by them. But obviously they lost. Um. So everything's with a grain of salt because they still ended up with only allowing the second fewest yards in the league. But mm-hmm. after the Green Bay game, we or they lost to us. Then they allowed 46 to the Saints, 29 to Atlanta, 31 to the Rams, and 21 last night. And uh, that's 465 yards to the Saints, and almost 400 yards to the Rams at home, losing to the Falcons at home. Now, granted, that last touch, or that uh, the extra six points was on a off or on the kick return, but still. Yeah. And then even, like, Arizona scored 51 points on them in three weeks. Yep. This is what... Do do you know why I'm saying you? I don't trust San Francisco in the playoffs. Like, and it's... And one of their... The things they do really well is stop you on third down. It's, like, why that 2017 Vikings team was so good because you just couldn't extend drives against them. And then Philly started extending drives against them, and Philly won by 27. If you can get a like a Breeze or a Wilson, or I don't think Green Bay makes it that far, but a Rodgers, no. and you can extend drives against this team, you can get yards. If your offensive line isn't five turnstiles, like as great as San Francisco's defensive line is, and as great as like Fred Warner is, and as great as Richard Sherman is, you can attack some pieces on the defense and move the ball. And if you can move the ball on third and three, then you can tire them out. 
keep the ball moving, keep the rushing moving, and you can score on the Saints or the Saints, uh, the 49ers defense. You can. Now, let's do a quick mock draft. Now, all right. Okay, so who are some really good pass rushers that can really good that are in the second round? Uh, so off the top of my head, you have Penn State's Yuter, uh, Yuter Gross, Gross Matos. Matos. Yep. And then, uh, Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. And he obviously um, Chase Young, if he stays, if he doesn't go back to college. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, AJ Epinesa from Iowa, Julian Aquara from Notre Dame. Alton Robinson, Syracuse, uh, Zuniga, who's playing right now for Florida. Oh. Uh, and then... John Greenyard, who's also playing for Florida. Um, I can't find him on my list. I have Terrell Lewis. Oh, are you using Mockout? Yeah, I am. That's why. Oh, there's Terrell Lewis. Okay. I think he's listed as an outside linebacker. Okay, there's Grenard, or Greenard, Greenard, yeah. Uh, those are, I think those are definitely fair selections, if you guys wouldn't pull off the Seattle, or the Bosa trade. If, I'm, I'm assuming they don't pull off the Bosa trade, because right. their defensive ends are not horrible, still. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, you get clowny if you resign him. Right. You, you, Shaquem Griffin has seemed to found a home at, at rush end. Mm-hmm. Anza's been horrible. Quinn Jefferson can play both D-tackle and defensive end. He's been pretty good. And Rasheem Green has been awesome. Rasheem Green's been really good for us. So, the so rational, thing, the, the rational what, individual... What are your plans for LJ Collier moving forward? I, uh, this is why I have Reed leaving. Because Collier, I think, can be a pretty good defensive tackle. Okay. Now, now, this is assuming if the Seahawks aren't active in free agency and don't go after, you know, let's say Derek Wolf at defensive end, which would be nice. Because he's an animal. Right, right, right. Actually, I would like that. Now, um... Their defensive tackles would probably be Jefferson, Collier, I'm guessing Reed comes back, Ford, Nazir Jones, and Brian Moon, who's not horrible. I mean, you're six deep at D-tackle then. If you retain Reed and bring Collier inside. That's pretty good. And the success of the Seahawks has been, you know, when they're five, six deep a defensive line. Because you have because they're all pass rushers. Now if they don't make the Bosa trade, I I say you target James Devlin via trade from the Patriots because that gives you an element of the fullback that you haven't had since since Michael Robinson left. Right. Now, 
I still think you target Eifert as a tight end because Disley's shown he's had injury problems. Hollister's been nice. And Ed Dixon can't stay healthy for his life. So, you know, and Eifert would bring size back to the equation. Now, a dream scenario would be the Packers cut Jimmy Graham. And Graham decides, I have unfinished business to do in Seattle. And he comes back. That would be a dream scenario. Although, I do like what Disley was doing before he got injured. Disley was doing awesome before he got hurt. He was doing awesome. Um, losses. I mean, I'm still going on Brown retiring because he's in his third. He's in his mid thirties. Wright, I think, gets traded to a team that needs a linebacker, like the Bills, for example, could use a linebacker like KJ Wright. And you can easily get him for. A third, maybe, because he's that good. Mm-hmm. And Britt, I don't see him coming back because that con because his cap hits fourteen and a half million dollars. It's bad. So now, assuming Seattle keeps their first round pick, which they might. I have their offensive line as George Fant, Phil Haynes, who's okay, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. That'd be a nice pick. Ethan Posick, and Jack Conklin, or Jermaine Effetti. Either or would be nice. Now... Fant has shown he can play left tackle. Haynes, I think, is your new left guard, and Fluker has been awful. Upadi has been awful. They can't pass protect for their fucking life. And... Britt getting hurt doesn't help either. And losing J.R. Sweezy for agency doesn't help either. But... Now, I'm banking on the 2020 Seahawks head coach still being Pete Carroll. You know, until he dies. And the offensive coordinator, this is where things get interesting. I'm banking on Josh McDaniels coming here. I'm banking on McDaniels coming here. Okay, I see you. And defensive coordinator, I I want to bring Gus back. I want to bring Gus Bradley back here. Okay. Because Ken Norton, as much as I love him as a linebacker coach, he's a terrible defensive coordinator. Now, dude, can you imagine an offense led by Russell Wilson and Josh McDaniels as your offensive coordinator with Chris Carson, Travis Homer, Rashad Penny, LeGarrette Blunt, James Devlin, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, John Ursua, David Moore, Tyler Eifert, and Will Disley. How awesome I, would that I be? I think that's better than last, or better than this year's unit. No, no shit. <laughs> no shit. This year, 
this year, Seattle is probably a top 10 offense by any reasonable, like, eye test, whether that's just Russell being Russell or eye test, statistically speaking. Like, they're good offensively. On paper, they should be a top... On paper, they're able to score 50 on anyone. And Russell's able to throw 5,000 yards on anyone. I'm serious. But because Pete Carroll makes terrible hiring decisions and doesn't go after, you know, the big guns. Norv Turner. Mike Shula. Debatable. I mean, I like Shula. McDaniels. You know, Shanahan. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, Shanahan would have a field day in your offense. <laughs> he would. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, he, at, like I mean, Greg Roman. Greg Roman no, would be awesome away. in this stay offense. Far, far Shush, stay far, far, far hey, away from hey, that man. Hey, did I tell you Greg Roman would be, a, would be the best hiring the Ravens ever made? I posted that. I don't remember that. I posted that. I said Greg Roman being hired as the Ravens offensive coordinator will be the best thing to happen to Lamar Jackson's career. I think, I I remember you saying that. Yeah. I posted that. Yes. I remember that. He needs to stay far, far away. We need to keep him in a box. Nah. Oh, he just lost. Miami just lost to the Wizards. So... I, I guess this is a good transition to Baltimore because I think we'll be good next year. I don't think we'll be this good. No, because it's, it's 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 just hard to it's hard to maintain. Like the top offenses of all time always drop off. Like number one, number two, number three. The twenty thirteen or the twenty fourteen Broncos were nothing like the twenty thirteen Broncos. The two thousand eight Patriots they lost Brady, so yeah, throw in the towel. And then the 2018 Chiefs, while very good offensively, they weren't able to replicate, like, what, 35 points a game or whatever. I think just... I think they're the highest point per game average since the Rams back in the early 90s. Who? The Chiefs? The Chiefs, yeah. Uh, well, they didn't beat out the Broncos. If my, no- if my knowledge is correct... I think the Chiefs and the Broncos had a higher points per game average than the greatest show on turf. Yes, yes, that's true. Denver broke 600 points. uh, And it was... uh, So Denver broke all the records that New England broke in uh, 2007. And New England broke all the records that Minneapolis... Minnesota broke in 98 with Moss and Cunningham. Just saying, greatest show on turf is the greatest offense of all time. No debate. I'm sorry. I think one thing about them that... I think is like a trump card over other offenses is that they were sustainable. Yeah. They had three years at right at the top. And two different quarterbacks. You forget, uh-huh. did you? You forget. 2000, Mark Bolger took over for Kurt Warner for 10 games. Ooh. I, yeah. I mean, that was before I was born, so. I, ah, <laughs> see, this is where my mind comes into play. Let's see. I think it was Mal- I think it was Bolger or Trent Green. Uh, Bolger wasn't in the league yet. In two thousand, uh, but he he did go six and one in two thousand two with the Rams. Who am I thinking yeah. of then? Uh, I'll look at Trent Green because Trent Green was the original starter, and then Warner, or then he got hurt in preseason. Uh, yeah, Trent Green wasn't very good. In was it Matt? It was Mark Bolger. Yeah, it was Mark Bolger. I'm right. 
Bulger wasn't in the league in 2000. Yeah, he was. No. I'm looking at the I'm in, looking at the Rams team right now. He was drafted in 2002. Or, or Trent Green. Was it was Trent Green. Okay. So, they lost in Kansas City in Week Eight, and that was when Warner got hurt, and then Marshall Falk went on an absolute rampage. Hold on. I think it was. Give me a second there. Man. That was I, that some case, fucking just, team, man. Since we're talking about the greatest show on turf, I think both Troy Holt, or Tory Holt and uh, Isaac Bruce should be in the Hall of Fame. They fucking better should be. Yeah, it was um, it was Trent Green. I was I was right the second time. I'm okay. Just saying, in terms of offensive records, how the, did Christian McCaffrey break the scrimmage record? Uh, I don't think so. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. Because he was, I want to say, 200 yards away. No way. Yeah, or no, no, no. Going into week 17, he was like 200 yards away. Uh, he ended up, he, yeah, he ended up about 100 yards away. Really? Yeah, he only had 26 rushing yards and Damn. 72 receiving yards, and he needed over 200 to catch uh, CJ CJ 2K. Damn. But this he, man and... was force-fed the ball the last few weeks. Oh, my God. He had, what, 300-plus touches? 403 touches. That's crazy. That is that is like Larry Johnson, mid-2000s Chiefs number of carries. That's stupid. Wow. Like, I know he was efficient, like, efficient with the ball, like, 4.8 yards a carry. Last year he averaged 5 yards a carry. And he's a great weapon out of the backfield. But uh, it's it's tough to give the guy the ball 400 times. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels in Seattle, that'd be nice. That'd be very nice. Or North Turner. North Turner would be nice. I would like North Turner. I like North Turner. I like I miss North Turner. He has Turner. his moments. He has his he has he does have his moments. There there's so I think uh, one thing about this Baltimore team though is that we really turned it on defensively near the end of the year. Like obviously the Lamar Jackson train was great, but we played, started playing really well defensively. And, yeah, the schedule got a little bit lighter after San Francisco came to town. We played Buffalo, the Jets, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. Like, those aren't, like, the real boppers of the NFL. But we held San Francisco to 17, the Rams to 6, Texans to 7, Patriots to 20 when they were on their, their rampage. In Seattle, held them to 16. Like, yeah, the 33 against the Chiefs stands out, and the 40 the first time against the Browns stands out. But we had a really strong defensive season, especially since week four. And I think that's one thing that might keep us sustainable more than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, true. So I, I sincerely doubt that we get to 500 points next season. Like, I think we'll be good offensively, but not – we're not going to be dropping 40 points a game for a month. 
like we did this year. Like, we're not going to hang 59 on a team. We're not going to hang 40 points four times in six weeks. No. Those kind of things don't happen. You're going to have a really tough time if the Bills do make it to the second round, though. I think the Bills will give you a tough time. But I think think we're good enough defensively that we can... Like, if you're looking at, on paper at least, we have significant advantage offensively. Watch Josh Allen somehow be Joe Flacco in 2012. Watch that happen. Oh, that... No. (laughs) Watch that happen. I'm serious. Watch that happen, and you'll laugh. The thing I'm afraid of is uh, Derrick Henry turning into 1997 Terrell Davis for a couple weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which would be going to Baltimore. And then we all have to worry about Graham. Oh, that would be the worst. Oh. Although they did go nine and seven this year, so I was right on that. You were right. You were right. Yeah, but at what cost? Everything. Yep. <laughs> Thanos. Oh man. Yeah. So I'm. So I guess back to Tennessee. They can. I think they can give a big, big punch to New England because you got Vrabel there. He's not afraid of Belichick. I'm excited. Are you excited or what? I'm excited. I'm terrified out of my mind because the Ravens are actually, like, favored to do something for once. Yeah. Like, our other, like, every other playoff run, it's like, oh, no, we got to go on the road. It's like, like you don't have Steve McNair or Kyle Bowler for once. Right. It's like. Which, by the way, is a great jersey for those. It's like, dang. Wow, in year two, Lamar Jackson's going to have as many home games as Flacco did in, uh, what, five trips to the playoffs? Yeah. Six trips to the playoffs, yeah. I want to say it was 10-5 and five and 2-0 and oh at home, and Lamar's going to get his second game at home in two weeks. There's something about playoff Joe Flacco that just scares the crap out of me. Yeah, that's why I was... I thought Denver was going to be better this year, and in all no. fairness, they were not bad. No. Um, they, they had a couple bad losses early because of like late game miscues. They finished seven and nine. Mike was and... pissed. Mike was pissed off when they traded for Joe Flock because because he knew he wanted Drew Locke when that draft when that draft came around. Like they he got Drew Locke. He got Drew, Drew Locke. Locke very well. But and he wanted Drew Locke to start right away. And didn't he, he come in hurt too? He came in hurt, and then Brandon Allen came around, and he was like, okay, Allen has been pretty good. And then Drew Locke started, and, Locke, and Mike was, like, salivating <laughs> over bet. over the fact that, oh, my God, John Elway did something right. Right. His tall, white quarterback finally worked out. Yeah. Well, kind of tall. Well, he's, what, 6'4"? Six, 6'2". Six, six, he's 6'2", I oh. think. Okay, I thought he was and he, can, and he can run. Yeah. And but, I like I like how they got Fant in the draft. Yeah. Um, and then Sutton has been out of this world. They did lose Sanders. And, uh, they traded him to San Fran. Which had to and happen. Deshaun, had Deshaun to happen. Hamilton's kind of a bust. No. Yes. Hamilton's been all right. I, I think they might be an interesting candidate to there's so many wide receivers in this draft they could be a kind of team that moves down gets some more draft capital and then pulls the trigger on like a henry ruggs or uh 
Uh, was it Justin Jefferson out of LSU? Yeah. In the early second round. Like, this this is a great draft to need some skill positions, specifically wide receiver. But, like, and there's some, there's some good running backs. But yeah. if you need a wide receiver, you can get one in this draft. Yeah. I mean. Like, we thought last year, well, I, like, I was, there was, like, 20 receivers last year that's like, I want them on the Ravens. I, if I could choose any two of them, I actually probably wouldn't have chosen Hollywood Brown and uh, Miles Boykin. But there were about 20 receivers. It's like, hey, Baltimore, if they're on the board, pull the trigger on them. They're going to be good players. Hell Oddly yeah. enough, I, I don't think Terry McLaurin was one of those. But all three of those guys have had their flashes, and McLaurin's probably been rookie of the year if he wasn't on a 3-13 and Redskins team. And Metcalf, if, you know... Oh yeah, I was I was in fact you were wrong. Someone someone in our podcast group was wrong about DK Metcalf, Tyler. Oh, I was all I was like Metcalf would be a perfect fit in Baltimore. Number uh, we're gonna be at the twenty second pick. Number twenty two pick has to be DK Metcalf. It's like no no Hollywood Brown. He's not gonna block. It's like nope. We get Miles Boykin, who is. Uh, respectfully, Walmart brand DK Metcalf. And then when Metcalf fell and Seattle traded back in the second round, I knew. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I turned to um, yes. I, I I turned to a friend of mine at that time. I, I was watching the draft with, and I turned to them. I said, "They're getting Metcalf." Oh my God, they're getting Metcalf. And when Cam Chancellor announced the pick was DK Metcalf, I screamed at the top of my lungs. It was so awesome. Because I knew, okay, if Metcalf is used right, he is Julio Jones. Ooh. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I think I echoed that statement and got ripped to shreds for it. Because it's it's like the Calvin Johnson thing. I, I definitely compared him to Calvin Johnson. People were like, you're on... You're on crack. It's like, nope, calm down. Nope, Metcalf nope. is Metcalf is a specimen. Yes, like, like I'm getting his jersey, by like the way. Size, elite speed. There's, like, yeah, his route running sucks, but Megatron didn't have great route running. Meca- how often, Megatron had like how two often, routes. Exactly, but he runs them so darn well. Yeah. It's like, who cares if you can run a go on a slant? Drag? It's like, who cares? And screen. It's like. You just watch the screens that he ran, or watch the screens, watch the slants that he ran at Ole Miss. He ran like two of them because Ole Miss was like, oh, let's throw it to Demarcus Lodge and AJ Brown, which AJ Brown's good. Don't get me wrong there, but you have a what six three two thirty something like that. He's six okay. four two thirty and zero percent body fat. <laughs> so it's you, crazy. You get, so you get the guy who's as physical as any guy in the league, but at the same time is as fast as just about anyone. Like, oh, if you, next year, man. I can't wait. I already can't wait for next year. It's the playoffs already. Yeah. And it's like with Metcalf, like the Julio Jones and the Calvin Johnson comparison. Jones and Johnson are better route runners, but how often do you see them running super complex routes? Hint, they don't. It's lots of goes, lots of slants, lots of like one move like one step here like just transfer the momentum from going up the field to going in a different direction and it's pretty simple 
You don't need to be Devontae Adams or Odell and be a wizard or Amari Cooper and just break the ankles of the corner every two minutes. Yeah. Just, if you throw the ball to Metcalf, he might not catch it, but he's going to have a decent chance at it. If he gets hands and if he learns a better route tree, oh my god. That, that's the thing with Boykin. Oh! Because, uh, Miles oh. Boykin is... So nice. I want to say 6'5". He's like 6'5". Boykin's at least 6'5". Like, Boykin is... He's a tight end playing wide receiver. A little bit taller and a little bit slower. And he, like, he had that nice catch against you guys. Like, 50-yarder right down the middle of the field. Outside of that, he didn't do a whole lot else. But he's, like, I was more hyped getting him over Hollywood. And that's... That's saying something. That is Actually, saying something. Actually, not really, because I wasn't too big on Hollywood. But then he had 130 yards week one. It's like, yeah, this guy's going to be good. Yeah. Even though we haven't really used him as, like, a, a deep threat, really. True. Which is a little bizarre. Outside of the pass interference that he drew against the Jets, like, I haven't seen a whole lot of Lamar targeting him deep. Like, the most I saw Lamar target him was against Kansas City, and he had, like, eight catches for under 100 yards which is atypical for a guy as fast Hollywood Brown is. Yeah. Although we ran a play yesterday uh, with the Anthony Thomas that I would imagine if it was a bigger game, we would have run it with Hollywood, and it was a mess. Oh, God. Ugh. I'm calling it a night, man. This was fun. This was a lot of Alrighty. fun, man. Oh, yeah. Have a good night, brother. Best man yet.